this is the Women Talking About Learning podcast. My name is Andrew Jacobs. Welcome. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode, the Mansplaining One. Hi, I'm Lauren. And the last thing we need is a man explaining about mansplaining. This episode goes into why men have to tell women how and why to do their job. Our first guest is Anya Hartleb Parson. Anya is a multi-talented professional with over 15 years experience in diverse business areas and industries. She's currently applying her passion for data to create and grow people development programs that positively impact the bottom line. Our second guest is Lydia Charalau. Lydia is a people experience professional and agile HR coach. She has been part of multiple people and cultural teams over a decade. Her passion include empowering inclusion, diversity and equity. She is driven by wellness and positive people experiences in the workplace. This episode was recorded in December 2020. This is Women Talking About Learning. This is Anya and Lydia talking about mansplaining. Hi, Lydia. How are you? Hi, Anya. How are you? (laughs) Probably pretty much the same as everybody. (laughs) Just doing my thing. (laughs) Absolutely. So um, we just spoke earlier about uh, the old British thing, which is what's the weather like in the location that you're at? seems to be the weather and COVID, the two standard starting conversation points. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, it's pretty, um, it's pretty chilly and somewhat snowy here in um, Illinois. So usual Midwestern winter weather, I would say. Yeah. So, so L- London is the gray that it is. Um, and we're all looking forward to lighter days. So positive vibe for lighter and brighter days. So yeah. today we're here to talk about mansplaining. Um, I guess what what is mansplaining so you know there are kind of terms out there that people use but I'd love to hear your thoughts like what do you think mansplaining is all about yeah it's it's something I've been kind of grappling a little bit with uh throughout the years but I generally consider something mansplaining when you have a man hence the word explain something to a woman that she already knows or didn't ask for to be explained or that is you know just being delivered in a condescending manner um consciously or subconsciously yeah absolutely it's 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 definitely that element which you're sitting there thinking you know, is is this, is this really happening? Is this person really explaining a topic that really they don't know anything about and talking to me about it? You know, um, is this a topic that, you know, feminine hygiene and like a man's like explaining something to me where you think, really, are you the best person to be explaining this? <laughs> yeah. So I kind of have grappled with this over probably 20 years because I I exist in very male-dominated fields and have. So I started out in uh, academic philosophy 
Um, and that's probably, it's a little better now, but um, you can probably count the number of female philosophers on one hand that you may know, <laughs> if you know any. So it's been very male dominated and in academia, that's certainly the case uh, in undergrad and in graduate school. I think in my program, actually, we had maybe two women in undergrad and wow. the rest were all men. Uh, and then I went into uh, political philosophy and political science. That was a little bit more even, but still, and the majority were men. And uh, now I work in uh, wealth management, and that is uh, probably 90% men. Uh, so it's, it's very male dominated. Uh, and there are different reasons for that. So um, do you tend to you know. see a lot of this then because of the environment you're in? I, I have, uh, <clears throat> but this kind of goes back to our definition issue, which you have these situations where you're just wondering, okay, what's really going on here? Is this, is this guy wanting to just, you know, be supportive in some way? Um, I think men generally tend toward the advice um, strategy uh, when it comes to you're talking about something, you're talking about a problem perhaps, whereas women are perhaps a little bit more interested in, in the feeling part or it, what, what, what is happening with you? How does this make you feel? That's and really so, interesting because when um, Andrew approached me and said, you know, how, how about this topic? I, it got me thinking. And the question I really had to myself is, do we, do women mansplain? Are we women'splaining? You know, do we do that to men? Um, and I thought to myself, do I do that? Do I kind of like try to explain things to like my male colleagues in a, in a way? Do they feel the same way about me? I don't know if you if that if that's a thought that potentially has crossed your mind. I I mean I see women being condescending to men, um, you know, quite often. <laughs> so that's not, um, and women being condescending to other women, which I find almost worse than mansplaining sometimes. Mm. Uh, but I think there's sort of um the 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 male versus female, the male perception of the female aspect to mansplaining that, that I don't see so much in uh, women, you know, being condescending to men. Um, you know, traditionally women have been viewed as uh, less rational, less logical. Uh, I mean, if you just think about hysteria, where that word comes from. Oh, God. Um, you know, so the perception and, and then even just when it comes to education in general, I mean, the history is you just need to look at history and see how women have been or have not been educated and therefore been perceived as less capable and less smart, intelligent, etc. Mm, that's, so that's, that's kind of a great example. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I I don't think that men generally maybe are being outwardly or even inwardly sexist necessarily when they do it or misogynist, although some clearly are and you can tell. But um, 
sometimes I just get the sort of savior complex or, you know, helpless woman situation <laughs> when men I, do honestly, that. Honestly, I, I, I think that a lot of it is um, unintentional. Um, so I have this conversation a lot. Um, so the organization that I currently work in is predominantly men. Uh, so especially in the more senior level. So I, I work for um, we're now moving into um, food ingredients. So um, as you can imagine, a lot of kind of agriculture, a lot of farming, um, you know, the kind of potentially seen as male dominated roles and like um, logistics and trading, etc. I mean, in our trading departments, I think, that, you know, there's one or two women. That's that's how kind of sparse that the uh, female representation is. And I think therefore, uh, the idea or the formulating of what a woman's role is or what the knowledge of a woman should be or can be um, is very skewed. And therefore this kind of mansplaining happens where uh, potentially it's coming from a place of like, I'd like to educate or I'd like to share. However, maybe not having that emotional intelligence side because they haven't had that experience working with uh, lots of women throughout their career to kind of maybe say it in a different way <laughs> so it so yeah. it comes across condescending but I don't think they they're intuitively making it uh you know wanting that to be that way yeah do you think um the unequal leadership distribution plays a role in this I've seen it uh, in my experience that in this particular uh, environment uh, it has, and not only for the topic of a mansplaining, but more about um, saying things. <laughs> uh, saying things that uh, we, as a, as a man, I don't think I'm saying the wrong thing. I don't think I've, I'm being exclusive. I, I'm saying uh, things that will exclude you, uh, but I just say it because I don't know. Um, <laughs> That, that that it should be uh, should, it shouldn't be said that way you know or I, I'm just basically opening my mouth and saying something and not really thinking how it's going to come across because how I you know I'm not kind of yeah I, I just haven't worked with enough women or I, I to, to kind of like understand how to communicate in that different way so yeah 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 uh... I mean, I think it is fair to acknowledge that there are probably some different ways of communicating from between men amongst men and sure. women to women. Um, do you notice that? Yeah, I do, definitely. And I also wanted to just come and revisit the point that you made earlier, which is um, women may be talking to other women in a condescending way, because I, I've also witnessed that as well. And that's where my kind of question came up. Like, do you think that we women's blame, um, you know, to other women? So, so I, I think this kind of, it's come up as mansplaining, but it just got me thinking like how we can kind of like divvy that up and how we can maybe think of that uh, in, in those different settings. So, you know, is it men speaking to women in a certain way? Is it women speaking to women in a certain way? You know, women to men, do we all do it? But perhaps this word has come up because, that's more visible, it's more prevalent, and and therefore that's why the discussion point has come up. Yeah, I mean, we're all 
hopefully increasing and have been increasing our awareness about inequality and, and diversity issues, inclusion, inclusion and so on. So focusing on that men-women piece sort of, you know, takes the, takes the um, forefront almost sometimes. Um, mm. Whereas it, this, how women treat each other and talk to each other in a professional context maybe sometimes falls a little bit under the table where it certainly shouldn't. Yeah. Um, and I think when you are in a context that is so male dominated as a woman, though, you also almost pick up certain male communication styles. And I hate saying male communication <laughs> styles, but you know what I mean? And it's like very early on, I kind of felt like I had to be one of the guys and so when I communicated with women, I think that certainly clouded that uh, or, you know, shaped that sometimes. It's, it's true, isn't it? I, I often will write an email several times. I'm thinking, okay, who's this email going to? How are they going to receive it? If the, Do I need to summarize, 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 summarize so I get straight to the point if it's going to one of the, um, one of the men, one of the leaders in the organization who's a man? Um, I do feel that we, well, naturally as women, like to elaborate a little bit more when, when in our communication. Um, but just, uh, I had a, I don't know, this kind of mansplaining, but I, I had this example uh, early on when I joined the organization. Um, but we, when we were still in the office back in the good old days, um, and uh, I, I was sitting at my desk and, and one of the uh, male leaders um, approached me and uh and almost kind of indic you know asked me you know where where's the coffee where's the kitchen you know whatever and almost indicating that I should be kind of doing something about it and I just turned around and I pointed and I said it's over there and I was like no <laughs> I just think that naturally you know oh there's a woman on this floor therefore I need to go and ask her like no, no matter like what my role is or like you know it was like okay a beeline and and I just kind of looked at it or, you know, leaving the um, uh, office, the, you know, the, the meeting room and just leaving all their cups and saucers. They're expecting that a woman will come and pick it up. So not quite mansplaining, but just the, the kind of back to the question around if the distribution amongst leaders is unequal within genders, other these types of things I've noticed have appeared um it's kind of like a, a side thing to to this um but yes there's there's do you have any examples you know where either you or someone you know has you know come up to you and thought wow that is definitely mansplaining or I've just had someone mansplain something to me <laughs> uh yeah I, I mean some of my more egregious examples are definitely earlier on uh, in my career you know, I, in, as you probably know, especially in an academic context in graduate, graduate school, you know, one of the things that you practice is argumentation and having discussions about very difficult topics. And so uh, it has happened to me numerous times that, you know, my male peers would, would start with an explanation of whatever, you know, <laughs> 
a concept they were talking about while I was in the same class and studying the same concept. Um, Because you didn't hear it for yourself. (laughs) Well, that or, you know, I I didn't understand the reading. Um, (laughs) Of course. (laughs) So, you know, it's and then there's also this part of dismissing almost dismissing the kind of arguments you make because you're a woman and um you know it's it's somewhat a little bit more complex than simply a reasoned if a then b and you know kind of point that you're making so if there's anything more um soft or more complex associated with what you're saying it, you know, it's, it seems to have less, less credibility yeah. um, sometimes. It's funny, isn't it? It's almost like that. Um, is there an echo in the room type of thing? So you've just said exactly the same thing. And then a man pipes up and says it in a slightly different way. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's a really good idea. <laughs> just yes. said the same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's happened to me too. Um I mean, I think the only way I survived that is by, you know, just developing a thick skin um, with that, about that. Um, it's, it's, I, I'm very interested in very technical things, which, you know, a lot of men are interested as well. And so I can't really escape that. Um, and I've just learned to adjust to it. Uh, but it goes to this larger issue of if we want women to be more represented represented in certain fields you know what what other things besides you know actually hiring them for tech roles do we need to do yeah I mean um I okay I've come from the world of tech prior to working uh at Olam I, I worked in tech and so yeah was around a lot of techies and you know know that kind of um uh, environment very well and and I think it's a great question what can we do as women um, so uh, something that I've tried to do more of as I've kind of like grown into kind of my role not my current not only my current role but within my career is reach out to others and offer the opportunity uh, to be mentored or uh, where I can to coach or mentor others um and really share my experiences so I've I've been last year mentoring someone in the business and uh, very openly saying yeah I experience those things every day you know like that happens to me just because I'm I sound potentially uh, you know a little bit more confident in these areas that doesn't mean every day I'm not kind of like thinking to myself oh you know am I saying the right thing you know it's natural um, that this happens. Um, so I think by kind of showing that humility to to others and kind of encouraging them to try uh, and, you know, say, uh, you know, uh, demonstrate that they are willing and want to, to do things differently and just empowering them. Like, that's one thing that, you know, I'd love to see more of as well, uh, you know, and for other for other women. Yeah. That is a really interesting point um, because I've been sort of uh, mentoring people throughout my career, um, you know, when I took on leadership roles, for instance, or just, uh, you know, in on the side. 
with friends. And I very early on realized that I didn't have all the answers and that I kind of needed to get comfortable with the fact that I probably, um, you know, I will get stuck, you know, as someone helping someone else or advising them on something or whatnot. And I would pretty quickly start saying that very early on in the relationship or repeatedly throughout, you know, I don't know. Um, and it, maybe I haven't met enough men and that certainly may be the, the, the problem, but I don't see men saying that a whole lot. I don't know if this is an issue of mm. admitting weakness or. Ooh, such a great point. Uh, I, so many times have a conversation around uh, looking at a job description advertised for a role and you know the whole there's 10 points on there these are things we're looking for um, and a man will just go I know two of those really well so I'm just going to wing it and apply and a woman will go oh I've got eight of them I haven't got 10 so should I really apply and I think that um, mindset that that women I'm actually going to say I've had that mindset as well, like wanting to maybe please others, um, wanting to demonstrate that, you know, their worth rather than, you know, fake it to you make it type of thing um, potentially is uh, why. And coming back to your point, which is saving face, maybe to a certain extent. Yeah, I that's. Yeah, that's probably the phrase I was thinking about in the back of my head, saving face. Um, this, and I don't know if also some of this has to do with how we perceive our professional selves. Um, women are so um, uh, woven into work plus home. You know, it's always this intricate balancing act that we have to do. And women uh, tend to have to um, adjust um, and men tend to be more leaning toward the professional side because oftentimes they can and be more concerned with that. And so it also becomes a bigger burden for them or, you know, a bigger part of their, their selves to to be perceived a certain way, to be perceived as confident, to be perceived mm -hmm. as competent and successful and so on. Um, and, um, I, you know, I, I just, we're, we're looking at, we're looking differently at, at the way work um, impacts us in our lives overall. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, last year I was working on a project um, which we're going to be uh, putting forward this year uh, around women in leadership. And um, we, we brought that point up exactly, which is if you think about the uh, uh, employee life cycle as a, as a woman and the different parts, you know, peaks and troughs that will happen. Um, and therefore, the, what potentially will happen at, you know, a, a similar age for a man and a woman. And the, the man, the, you know, I mean, typically speaking, okay, um, the projection will be kind of like a straight kind of like upwards line, because they're not going to take time off, you know, and again, generalizing to have a child, you know, to, to care for a child or whatever. So they can take this kind of projection a lot faster. 
And then you have that kind of gap and then you have women returning to the workplace and potentially then being in the situation where this loss of confidence or kind of like wanting to kind of like explain themselves, being faced with potential mansplaining. So, oh, whilst you were off, did you know that this happened? And, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I have several friends who have returned to the workplace, you know, after having a child and have talked to me about that kind of thing. It's like, I didn't forget everything just because I went and had a child. You don't have to mansplain everything to me just because I've come back. You know, I still do have like the same brain as I did. <laughs> you know, I might even be enhanced now, but that's a different point. Uh, so, yeah, it, it is. It's just funny how you don't think about these things when you start having a conversation. You're like, oh, yeah, that, that really is like part of this uh, whole challenge. Yeah. It- I don't think that motherhood and and parenthood in general, that stage in life, you know, which often um, results in you having to step back from work um, is, is valued enough in terms of how it could potentially affect your professional selves. I mean, as a mother, I personally think it has made me a, a better professional for so many reasons, but we, I don't know that we really look for that so much or even think about it. And, you know, when you get back to work, it's like, um, you know, um, yeah, so like what, you what said, else it should do we be need valued. Yeah, it should be valued. It, it should be like, you know, I've just had an amazing experience. I've, you know, nurtured another human being <laughs> for the past X about a month, etc. And now I'm coming back, you know, rearing to go, wanting to be part of this. And yes, a lot of the times what I've seen in previous organizations or through friends and family is what they're telling me. They feel almost like subservient and, you know, like it's like, oh, now we've some, some in previous organizations, some people have almost being side sidetracked into a different role so they were a manager when they came back they kind of were given this smaller team you know and it's like you're right it should be like encouraged it should be celebrated it should be recognized as as an achievement uh, and it, it's at, my experience anyway has been uh, it's not been yeah one of the things that I have um uh, also struggled with with this topic with mansplaining is that um, you know I used to be I used to spend a lot more time with um, with conservatives <laughs> so uh, and I, I'm going to call them small c conservatives so I, hopefully the meaning what is do you mean similar. by that so I don't know if uh, like well I don't know if the UK audience will conservative might mean something something different so maybe you can elaborate yeah so I mean politically leaning conservatives so okay. folks that are less uh less government intervention and and more free market I'm painting a very uh, broad brush but that's essentially it and they also tend to be more focused on individualism versus collectivism um and uh, you know the arguments there tend to be about these kind of differences in in male-female communication or gender issues that really this is a matter of individual responsibility and how we treat each other as individuals and it's it's you know 
a lot of the stuff that's called sexism isn't actually sexism, you know, it's something else. Um, And this, this argument has always bothered me because, you know, biologically, but also environmentally, we're very much raised and steeped in gender roles. Um, And and I do think that a very much, I mean, the way my, my dad spoke to my mom, you know, it, it affected me and, and, and it certainly affected my brother in different ways. So I I just don't buy that argument. Um, But I had to figure out, okay, um, how can we talk about this in a way that is productive uh, versus adversarial, um, you know. It, it, so, what, what, how, what kind of things do you think would fall into that? How can we talk about things in a more productive way? So, I do think that recognizing people as individuals is crucial because we do have to take into account that a we can't read people's minds. I mean, technology hasn't advanced to that stage yet. <laughs> Maybe one day. Um, and everyone grew, grows up or has grown up in a unique environment and around different individuals who have shaped them in, in different ways and given them different experiences. So we do need to acknowledge that. And we shouldn't make assumptions when we go into, an, or into a conversation with someone about things that... Um, you know, we really don't have have any evidence for. But that's that's the challenge, right? Is not to make assumptions or limit your assumptions when you are talking to someone because we're naturally so prone to making assumptions. It's like a survival thing, uh, an evolutionary thing. Um, and I think there are two things to that. One is being humble enough to recognize that you often fall prey to your own assumptions. Mm-hmm. And the other piece is being humble enough to say, you know what, I kind of messed up in the way I'm thinking about this because, you know, I was, I was making assumptions that weren't warranted. Um, so there's a certain amount of vulnerability, I guess, you know, to opening yourself up and saying, uh, you know, opening yourself up to criticism and do you think that there is uh like imbalance in the way that men and women do that I mean in your experience yes yes um and some of it is (laughs) I know this sounds this sounds harsh but I do think that expectations of women tend to be lower I, I mean I've seen it I've seen it in the work context. I've seen it in the educational context. And so um, even though women don't feel that way, you know, necessarily, um, I don't know. It's, yeah, I'm trying to think, I mean, in, in, like I said, the role I'm in now and the organization I am where, you know, especially at senior management uh, level, the majority uh, are men um it, it what I've, my experience has been it's very much about who you know so if you're if you're a man and it's almost like the boys club and you know you're social I mean not now because of covid but like socializing and you're sharing your in jokes and it's 
the jokes that you know perhaps would offend women or we're not going to get on board with and you continue doing that and then it kind of it, is, it makes it hard for, for for a woman to break that glass ceiling almost and, and, and enter into that boys club so then is it about equal opportunities or is it about breaking down those barriers or both yeah you know it, it's and when I say expectations are low of women I mean you know um going back to the example of wealth management for instance um just look at the distribution of support personnel versus the people who um you know, who sell investments, the advisors and brokers and, and whatnot. Uh, it, it is extremely lopsided. Uh, so, you know, we still seem to think that women are really good at administrative and support roles. <laughs> and um, uh, when I say, well, yes, but the way you set up the system um, or this role of an advisor is quite disadvantageous to women um and then i just get you know the shoulder shrug well that's the way most other broker dealers run their business and again it's a great point isn't it and so coming back to that um you know and and one of the conversations earlier was saying you know what more can we do around uh more than hiring but even at that stage hiring if if for example and i've experienced this in in organizations uh, we found the best candidate, but, you know, they have responsibilities, caring responsibilities, and they're requesting to have flexibility in the way they work. And then they're saying, no, you know, you have to be in the, well, not now, but before you have to be in the office five days a week. You're just putting off all these candidates. And and I know, of course, other people, you know, uh, can have caring responsibilities, but just on that gender imbalance, you know, you're, you're not helping yourself because you're setting up these, but you're setting them up to fail. Yeah. Well, the, the big irony, particularly as an example in wealth management is that a lot of women actually by the data I've seen, most women um, make financial decisions or most financial decisions in the household. So you've got a whole bunch of (laughs) male investment advisors telling (laughs) women you know how to deal with their money it just yeah Yeah, we have the same so we think you know food ingredients you know uh again generalizing you know women will make those decisions what shopping food shopping are we going to buy what products are we going to buy um but then again yes the people that are selling it the majority of our sales team are are male (laughs) yeah so that's that's kind of um you know another area of of potential mansplaining uh you know yeah how how you know the the goal is to be able to empathize with your target audience yeah um and speak their language yeah if we don't have those people who are representative of that group how are we going to do that yeah yeah that that's that's definitely a part but even even just in sales as a consumer right I don't know. It's it's so funny when I go into Best Buy and want some tech gadget and I just, you know, get some kind of sales pitch from from a male associate and they're telling me all these specs and I actually have done all my research beforehand so I know what I need to look for. Do you do you ever just for laughs just like shock them by kind of like coming up with complete technical terms and just saying, 
asking them questions just to see how they'll react. I very early on did that. So I would just, you know, ask them a technical question and I could tell they just didn't know what the heck they were talking about. <laughs> so then you know, it's just that. mansplaining. <laughs> Don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm just going to say big words and pretend. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm more empathetic, you know, because I don't, I don't know, showing people up about it is, is also not necessarily my cup of tea. Um, I think if it's egregious, yes. Uh, if it affects your daily life or your work life or whatnot, but just some sales guy, you know, talking nonsense to me because he thinks he knows more. Right, well, I really... my my kind of like example that I always offer. So I I um, went to see a doctor uh, at a breast clinic, being very open about it. And after my results came back, um, and I asked, okay, what can I do? Um, he said, you should buy a better fitting bra. <laughs> and I thought to myself. Oh, right. Lord. So um, I don't think you've ever worn a bra or know anything about bras. And yet you're explaining to me that I should wear a better fitting bra. And I was like, hmm, OK, well, maybe maybe I have a little bit more kind of knowledge around this topic, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's actually a really big problem. Um, and I, I don't remember who talked about this, but this sort of mansplaining and in, in, in medicine and authority roles, it's, it's, that's really, because, you know, what happens is oftentimes women then um, they're dealing with certain issues that don't get properly diagnosed. And I mean, it, you know, there's a whole real big fallout from that. Um, and um it's, we could probably talk about that for another hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think that there's a lot to this topic. Um, I'm, I'm still kind of in my mind's eye thinking, you know, should there be a woman's planning as well? You know, do we do that? Maybe that's a whole other topic as well. You know, do, do we naturally do that and, and not kind of recognize that we're doing that as well? Yeah, I think that's a topic about women supporting or failing to support other women. And um, I've seen that way too much myself. Um, and it's kind of sad. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> another, uh, another issue to solve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so, so yeah, so it's been amazing talking today. Um, I've really enjoyed our conversation and I'm sure that we can both, you know, talk more and more and more, more examples as, as time goes on. Um, what, what would your, uh, advice be to women maybe coming up in their careers, you know, graduating now and, or like, you know, early career, like on, around the topic, you know, identifying it and maybe doing something proactively about mansplaining hmm. um I'm a very direct person so I and maybe this is part of having grown up in male dominated fields um uh I generally find it better to address these issues head on and then hopefully have a productive a conversation about it with the person involved. And if they don't want to have a productive conversation, then, you know, that's another, you know, piece of evidence for you. Um, so 
speaking up and talking about how you're perceiving things is really important because you may also be wrong and you don't want to sit around, you know, having something fester in you that's built on a wrong impression or a wrong assumption. Um, and so that's, I think, pretty important. Um, there's so much miscommunication that happens because people don't, you know, don't really want to talk to each other or they're afraid to, <laughs> to really hash it, hash something out. Um, so that would be my, my biggest piece of advice. And the second piece of advice would be just to be patient with yourself because that skill takes a lot of time to develop. Um, and you're, you know, it's, it's not going to feel good, especially in the beginning. Yeah. Oh, absolutely it's uh and you and when you say it takes time to build it you build that through the experiences so you have to experience something mm. react to it and then was you know kind of ponder or reflect you know what might I want to do differently or what kind of result might I want next time if something like that happens and then also I think there is a big education piece um you know that that's there's ways of talking and there's ways of explaining and how do these things come across and do you realize that this comes across in this way mm. um because you know at the beginning we talked about you know do we think that this happens out of malice or intent and and you both said no we just think that it just happens and people then don't kind of talk about it um enough maybe yeah yeah that is that is the you know that sort of introspection figuring out okay how am I coming across and what factors may even influence, you know, am I adopting the communication style of my parents or whatnot? Um, you know, that's a really, that self-awareness piece is really important. Oh, now that parent thing, there's a whole different kind of words. <laughs> <laughs> and you say, Oh God, you're turning into your mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um. You know, I mean, you don't want to be your parents, but, you know, <laughs> reality check, you are kind of like your parents. <laughs> <laughs> you need here. So I heard my friends shout something at her son the other day and I said, oh, my God, you sound just like your mother. <laughs> yeah, I realized that the other day I was, just, you know, talking to my husband about something, you know, and I was kind of uh, being condescending about it. Uh, I don't know what it was you know, how to do something. And I'm like, oh, crap. Now I sound like my mother. Um, but, you know, it, it's just, it's this piece of being humble and recognizing what's going on with yourself and how you're coming across. It's like one of life's biggest challenges in my view. And, um, you know, just, you're going to screw up, you, you know, you're not going to be perfect in everything that you do. And, and that's okay. It's okay not to know. It's okay to make mistakes. Um, mm. It's okay to be wrong. Yeah. So my granddad, bless him, he, there was two things that, you know, uh, he used to say, which have stayed with me for life. Was one is there's no silly question. Um, and if you don't ask, you don't get and, and I yeah. live by that. And so that's the kind of advice I'll be giving, you know, just ask the questions, even if it sounds a bit silly, or even if you don't get the answers straight away, ask the questions, rather than kind of like staying silent. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so there you have it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if we uh, brought more um, clarity to this topic, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I hope people are uh, amenable to to just thinking about it a little bit more than yeah. having knee jerk reactions. I hope this inspires other people to have this conversation. Mm. Uh, to actually kind of like address it and to ask those questions and to think, you know, do I really see these things or, or do I just ignore them because they're so normal and inverted commas now in my life and, you know, and I don't even notice them anymore. Um, so, yeah, so, so that would be my my kind of closing wish for, for the audience, for the listeners, you know, please yeah. talk about this more. Yeah. And <laughs> it's okay to have a fight about it in you know in a, a, in a healthy discussion conversation with, yes <laughs> well it was great a stuff. pleasure talking with you Lydia you too it's great to meet you and um let's connect as well via LinkedIn yeah. and all those lovely social media channels um and continue you know conversations on this and others in the future I've listened to this episode three times and I expect I'm going to listen to it more. And you and Lydia are both on LinkedIn, and you'll find their contact details in the show notes. Our most sincere thanks to them, both, for their contributions to yet another excellent episode. We mentioned last week that we're recording a live version of the podcast. Unfortunately, we were wrong, the event itself isn't free. We will, however make the recording available as soon as we're able so you can enjoy what I'm expecting will be a brilliant conversation. As always, we thank you for your support through listening, advocating and publicising the podcast. All interaction is really appreciated and we value every comment and contact. Please take care and we'll see you again soon. You have been listening to the Women Talking About Learning podcast. Women Talking About Learning is available on all podcast platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts. And you'll also find us on Spotify, Amazon Music, and other music streaming services. Make sure to like and subscribe. It helps more people find us. You can find out more about Women Talking About Learning on our website, womentalkingaboutlearning.com. Make sure you tune in next time for more women talking about learning, for more of the signal and none of the noise.